My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. This is a seminal day in farm wisdom history, ladies and gentlemen, because thanks to your allegiance to our programming, we have joined the pantheon of professional broadcasters, i.e., we have acquired an advertising sponsor. That's right, folks, an American enterprise producing an American product for the American public, albeit from a factory in the Cambodian city of Phnom Penh, but that's neither here nor there. Just rest assured that your friend, Farmer Gray, would not hawk any goods that failed to equiponderate his capitalistic integrity. No, sir. Only nonpareil vendables will do for this correspondence, votaries. And what wares do I espouse? Now, hold on there, folks. Let me set the stage for the big reveal, a pertinent tale through which I will divulge our sponsor's identity. A true story, so I've been assured, that will explicate the benefits of this commodity. An enticing approach to the ballyhoo? I should think so. And take note, Mr. Madison Avenue. Take note as I dangle you along, poised at the edge of your seats, with the tale of a fellow called, well, let's just call him Sawyer. Not his true cognomen, but a pseudonymous appellation to hide his secret shame. Now this Sawyer, he was a large gentleman, six foot three in his stocking feet, a veritable edifice of a man, his inseam stretching some 34 inches, and his collar fully a size 18. Went to those special stores for the big boys so he could be fitted properly. But when, after accoutering him in fine long trousers and shirt to match, the proprietor asked if he could show him something in an expansive cotton sock, Sawyer would flush bright red and demure. No thank you, he'd say. I've no need for such at this time. And this went on for many visits. Pants, shirts, maybe a nice sweater or jacket, all gratefully procured and natally displayed as our heroes strode the sidewalks of hometown USA. But the socks... Never the socks, until one day the proprietor of said store was finally impelled to query, What, Mr. Sawyer, is wrong with our stockings? We have for years seen to your livery, yet time and again you reject our giant socks, and we've so many, athletic, dress, mid-calf, over-the-calf, plain black, sharp colors, bold patterns, we've got them all. Have ye another source? And if so, does our quality suffer in comparison? What can I do to put you in so much as a pair of ankle lengths? And with that, Sawyer buried his face in his plank-sized hands and sobbed. Great big tears rolled from sizable ducts as he spluttered. Dear sir, your sartorial skills are second to none, and I would be delighted to purchase said footwear from your establishment. Then why, my distressed fellow, do you not, asked the store owner. Because, wailed Sawyer, because I've dainty feet. "'Sorry,' said the proprietor. "'I've got little tiny feet,' came the reply. "'But that's impossible,' says the proprietor. "'Those wingtips you've got on look to be size 14s, "'comparable to your great height.' "'Just what you're supposed to think,' sniffed Sawyer. "'And with that, he slipped off his right shoe, "'revealing the black Oxford to be stuffed with newspaper "'and, more shockingly, displaying a foot "'that would more appropriately be attached to a ten-year-old child.' Goodness, says the proprietor, what happened? I grew, says Sawyer, but my hoofs didn't. 
Papa's told me years ago I'd one day come into my feet, but I've been waiting an awful long time for that to happen. It's a wonder, observed the proprietor, that you don't topple over. That's not the worst part, says Sawyer. It's the socks. I have to buy them in the children's department, for no store on earth carries an adult pair in this size. Shopping for your son, the clerk will ask, and though I am not by nature a dissembler, I will reply in the affirmative, for I am too mortified to reveal the truth. I know, too, says the proprietor, holes in the toe of your sock. Are pediatric wares of such poor quality? No, answered Sawyer. It's my toenails. They've grown long and sharp because, quite frankly, every toenail clipper on the market is far too big to accommodate my pedal digits. With this, the proprietor smiled. Well, says he, I can't make your feet bigger or end your need for baby socks, but I can solve that last dilemma. Then he fished in his pocket and removed what? Why, folks, just the smallest toenail clippers Sawyer had ever seen. Tolan's tiny toenail clippers, says the proprietor, handing them over for Sawyer to inspect, specially designed for big, tall men with itty-bitty feet. Why, it's like a miracle, says Sawyer, holding up the product so its minuscular jaws glinted in the light. But are they strong and sharp? You bet, came the reply. Forged from stainless steel and sharp enough to bite through a box nail, let alone a keratinous one. Reasonably priced, too. At last, wept Sawyer, but this time with joy, my micro feet will be immaculately groomed. And don't forget, says the proprietor, shorter toenails mean longer-lasting socks, necessitating fewer embarrassing trips to the children's department. Thank you, angel of mercy, says Sawyer. Why, I'm no such thing, says the proprietor, a very tall man himself. Then he removed his own shoes to reveal little feet. What I am, says he is a customer. He's a great big feller, ain't he? Standing taller in every tree. But his feet are kind of dainty, fact, as small as they can be. But this gent with little flippers has a fact he'd want to share. Colin's teeny tiny clippers were an answer to his prayers. The first selectman of Truvo, Mississippi, Buzz Fleming, has proposed changing the name of Main Street to Central Avenue. It'd be more cosmopolitan, said he, and we've a grocery store and cable television, so it's time we promoted ourselves as such. This was at our monthly town council meeting, and the reaction was decidedly mixed. One or two attendees, folks known to subscribe to that bastion of liberal misinformation, the New York Times, were all for it. Others were neutral, and several more, including yours truly, were taken aback. Well, Buzz, says I, why not just change the name to Fru-Fru Hippie Boulevard de California? Because it's not a boulevard, replied Buzz, oblivious to my rancor. A boulevard is very wide, which Main Street, or Central Avenue, is not. Obviously, he'd given this some thought. I voted for Buzz in the last election, unaware of his liberal aspirations. Had his campaign posters read, Vote for Buzz, he'll destroy your cherished values, I would likely have thought better of it. Still, this affront will not stand, for I intend to throw my hat in the ring next election. As first selectman Gray, I will fight to preserve our rural caste and combat encroaching citification. And plenty more besides, folks. 
and plenty more besides. Stay tuned, dear friends, for campaign proposals coming straight from the plow. Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, these are dark times for the electorate. It seems my promised campaign for first selectman of Truvo, Mississippi, is over almost before it began. The liberal junta, even in a hamlet as patriotically conservative as this one, is disproportionately influential. Now, I did gain some traction with my opposition to current selectman Buzz Fleming's proposal to change the name of Main Street to Central Avenue. Why, with that as my main agenda, I could walk through this town on any given day to a steady hum of concordance. We're behind you, Farmer Gray, and you've got my vote, Brother Gray, were common approbations in the days following disclosure of my candidacy. But as I am now bitterly cognizant, honesty is to politics as oil is to water. They do not mix, my friends. They do not mix. For when I revealed the totality of my platform, the brickbats began to fly. As I have previously made clear, I am opposed to the existence of ladies' restrooms, for as I have already discussed in some detail, women have no physiological need for such facilities. The Lord fashioned Eve from Adam's rib, but... As strongly implied in Genesis 2.24, he did not include the lower colon. And so I proposed the elimination of the so-called powder room in all public buildings, with the resultant savings in maintenance and water bills being plowed into a new baseball diamond for a boys-only little league team. I also proposed, for the moral enrichment of our female population, that the wearing of the color red by our lady constituents be banned, for as I have also previously elucidated, red is the color of Jezebel. Don't believe me? Then seek ye 1 Kings 1631. Well, despite the preponderance of good Baptists among our citizenry, the great majority of the populace turned a deaf ear to my biblical invocations and accused me of that time-worn liberal bugaboo, sexism. Misogyny, cried the females of Trouveau, while the men remained conspicuously silent on these matters. Well, I am, as I said, an honest politician, and I refused to backpedal or retract. Quite the contrary, I doubled down on my proposals, fully confident that a frank and socially conscious platform would eventually win the day. If I am elected, declared I, no, when I am elected, only farmers will be allowed to wear overalls, for overalls on a non-farmer is naught but stolen valor. And for you white-collar types... No plastic gugaws representing the popular sports figures of today or yesteryear will clutter the top of your desk, for that is a puerile distraction and stimulates frivolity, i.e. a neon arrow pointing straight down the garden path to pecuniary disaster. And the high school students, oh, I didn't forget them either, dress code in and out of the classroom of cotton ties and pink pinafores for male and female respectively. 
This was my campaign platform, an attempt to transform our little town not into some urban chimera, as my opponent would have it, but into a veritable backwoods Shangri-La. Yet it was not to be. No, sir. For in my zeal to usher in a numinous dawn, I had, some contended, overreached, and so was plunged headlong into the bureaucratic night. For that aforesaid junta, via their iniquitous labors, discovered a little-known codicil in the town charter, one stating that no man may stand for office if he occupies a domicile more than 10,560 feet from the historic town flagpole on the knoll off Main Street twixt the stately oak and the flowering magnolia. And my domicile, dear listeners, after a perusal of the land surveys, that anti-gray cabal determined that the northernmost border of my farm, closest to town, is 10,580 feet from said flagpole. And so it was that, over a matter of 20 feet, I am denied public office. I've pondered this a while, I am not prone to self-reflection, for that opens the door to the deadly sin of vanity, but to hold the welfare of the community in one's hands and then have it snatched away for the sake of 240 inches, well, I'll tell you what, folks. It drove me straight to the library to see what history's great philosophers had to say on the matter, and I ran across this quote by one Albert Camus, a French fellow, but obviously of a serious bent, interested in more than just imbibing the grape and chasing the mademoiselles. This Camus, he, he says, and I quote, Martyrs, my friend, have to choose between being forgotten, mocked, or used. As for being understood, never. He gets me that, Albert. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. <laughs>